Okay, so let's start the pod out, Trey, with a trivia question about one of the actors that we're going to be talking about today in a movie we're recommending. Not Are you afraid. ready? Yeah. You ready? Wh- yeah. Who are we talking about? Okay. So this is a trivia question about Colin Farrell. Okay. Okay. This. So it's not about his acting career. I don't got this. <laughs> um, although there are a lot of like Colin Farrell websites with a bunch of trivia. He just um, has Colin Farrell bots. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. When I was looking for this, like a question to ask you, I accidentally got a lot of uh, like things downloaded onto my computer. Colin Farrell uh, spam. <laughs> yes. You're going to be teaching class tomorrow and he's, his like his daredevil character is going to pop up. Yeah. Okay. So here it is. Which chain did Colin Farrell go into fully dressed in the penguin prosthetics? Which chain? Yeah. Like which chain uh you do know store wait just so we're clear (laughs) or or maybe restaurant just so we're clear you you do know how much prep i do right (laughs) you already know this answer you will like this is for the batman right yeah yeah, batman penguin prosthetics we've done several batman podcasts on on here and i feel like i've become like a mini expert i've become a a film blog boy as they say for the batman the chain he went into blog boy as the penguin was Starbucks. How would you know that? Because I felt I like have, I was, I felt like I found a gem I, to I, ask you. I've literally listened to like every interview he did during the Batman. Okay. Run-up. Well, then, that was pretty good then, though. Wait. Okay. Then I have a follow-up question. Okay. What drink did he order as the penguin? Hmm. Something tells me he ordered. What are those one with the, is it a latte? A latte is just like um, a coffee with milk or espresso with milk. Okay. So now that we've made that clear and the way you responded to that, I'm assuming it's not <laughs> a latte. Um, I guess I'll say a. it's probably something hot. He doesn't seem like he's a big cold drinker. Yeah. He doesn't seem like an ice So person. I'm going to say the, what are those double ones that we get? Um, not espressos. Oh, is you mean like are? a nitro brew? That's cold though. Oh, you're right. I'll just say an espresso. Okay. You're wrong. What is it? Eh. Uh, he said he got a, a very un Oswald drink. Is it bad to was, <laughs> do his accent? It's pretty terrible. <laughs> he got an oat milk latte. Damn it. It was a latte? two stevia sweeteners. You totally threw me off. You looked at me like I was crazy. Okay. Yeah. I okay. should have known that. Um, I should have known that. And let's so just do one more. Okay. Because yep. okay. this is fun. Which actor on the Batman mistaked Colin Farrell walking around in his prosthetics as an extra on set? Wow. I'm going to say that it's Jeffrey Wright. Wrong. Robert Pattinson. Wrong. Paul Dano. (laughs) It was Rupert. I don't know if I'm saying this right. Penry Jones, the guy from uh, Ready or Not. Oh, wow. Yeah. The guy who played the mayor. Yeah. The yeah. guy who gets bodied in the first, in the first spoiler, scene. first two minutes. Yeah. It's okay. Should have seen Batman by now. I'm, it's just the first minute. Go check out our podcast. Okay. <laughs> Go check out our podcast plug. All right. Those are pretty good. Yeah. I can't fun. believe you knew Starbucks. Um, Shout out Colin Farrell. <laughs> 
Uh, he said that like our, the guy who mistaked him as an extra, he was like, I just thought he was like this overconfident extra, just like walking around set. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, I'm pretty embarrassed that I actually knew the star Starbucks thing now. Cause I feel like it would have been much cooler if I was just like, I said like red Robin, like I, the fact that I actually knew that I need to stay off the YouTube stay off the YouTube. Now I'm like interested. I feel like there's so many cooler questions I could ask. Like what tattoos does Colin Farrell have? If he has any, I feel like he does a bullseye on his forehead. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, Hey everyone, welcome to the extra credits podcast. Hello. Hi. Uh, this is a show where we talk about movies and TV shows that we love. And today we are introducing a new segment. We've done movie reviews. We've done drafts. We've done live watch parties, okay? But we are going to start recommending some movies that we are loving that maybe are underrated or not even just like known. They're not in theaters. Definitely underseen for some of these. Yeah. So we are calling it the 2022 syllabus. So 2022 recommendations, and we're calling it a syllabus to be on brand. We're very creative. Yeah, because we're teachers. So yeah, yeah. it's the movies you should watch and everyone should be watching that we're just loving. And I'm super pumped today. We're going to talk about a few that we're already loving, but we're going to kind of deep dive into why you should really watch two after Yang and All My Friends Hate Me. Both great titles that get me excited. I think it's important also to note that two of the movies on our 2022 syllabus are movies that we've already reviewed. They are Everything Everywhere All at Once. So good. You got to go see it while it's still in theaters. The best journey that we went on this year is definitely that movie. And then also The Batman, which we've done a lot of content here about. We're big Batman fans. Yeah, big Rob Pat fans. The movie we haven't talked about, Kelsey, that we both enjoyed i think more than most people in the audience for different reasons was the northman robert eggers and northman (laughs) a lot of fun we have not done a northman podcast which feels off-brand for us i feel like that seems like that's be that'd be something that we would do an hour-long pod on but that's because i love the lighthouse it's one of my favorite movies it is the one of the most interesting comedies i've ever seen and the witch is pretty good. And so I like to do a Robert Eggers pod in general where yeah. we do all three movies. And Northman, just really quick, might be in theaters near you still. It definitely is. It is? Okay. Yeah. If it is near you or you just have to even drive a little bit for it, go see it in theaters because it's like an epic and... It is so absurd that I was smiling the whole time. I was just like, not even like maybe laughing at some points, but right. just in awe the whole time. You got to go see it. Eggers has the ability to make you feel like you're in a grounded story. And then he puts you somewhere supernatural toward the end. And it always makes you feel like it's a little bit of a more elevated premise. So you can laugh at it. So you know what it feels it like? Different. Did you ever watch Xenon growing up? Of course. The Warrior? Yes. It feels like that, but actually done like in... It has producers and money. That's probably <laughs> much more apt from what I was going to say. I was going to say that it was like Michael Bay who was interested in period pieces. <laughs> That's uh, awesome too. So <laughs> my next movie that we're going to be talking about uh, is Ambulance. Ambu- El Lance. El- LA. Lance. Ambulance. Uh, The reason why we're being weird about LA is if you've seen the trailer for Ambulance, we follow an ambulance with uh, Abdul Mateen and Gyllenhaal riding it. And uh, I think LA is bold in the trailer. Is bolded? Yes. And 
let's also just say that we cried in this Michael Bay movie. In the first five <laughs> minutes. And I think we cried multiple times. Yes. It was very impressive. It's a Jake Gyllenhaal thing. It is unsurprisingly a wild ride, as Michael Bay does. It's his best <laughs> movie since Transformers in 08. So I, I really enjoyed our experience there. And I think we saw it on like the biggest screen possible, and it was just us in the theater. And you can also rent both of those on streaming. I don't recommend seeing Northman Ambulance at home on your TV, but if you need to, you can. And then we have Master, starring Regina Hall, one of her best performances, which is a horror movie, and I'm not going to spoil anything about that. I don't recommend watching a trailer for this, and I don't recommend reading the plot, but I would definitely go stream it on Amazon Prime if you can. Did you think Master was too scary, or do you think people are going to be good going into that one? I mean, I definitely think there were like disturbing things in master and I'm someone who really like has trouble with horror movies. I just like can't shake them. Um, and, and the feeling, Mm -hmm. but I, I like horror movies that have a point. So I would go see master and not look it up. Like Trey said, Mm -hmm. which kind of also brings us to another recommendation on Hulu. You should definitely go stream fresh. It has, uh, who Sebastian, what's his name? Sebastian Stan. And it and has Daisy Edgar Jones. Yes. So good. I liked it more than Trey, I think, which was weird because it was a horror thriller, but it was really original, had a really cool title drop. I would really not look anything up for this going blind. It was really great. Yeah. Master has a social commentary. Fresh does too, but it's more about the, I think, genre blending that it does in this movie. That is pretty fascinating. I definitely wouldn't look anything up. And in terms of, and those are the first, I think, I think, what are those, four or five? Five films on our syllabus. But other movies that are coming out soon that could be coming to our podcast very soon are uh, Alex Garland's Men this week. Uh. Uh. And next (laughs) week's Maverick, Top Gun Maverick. Wonder what that one's going to be about. Top Gun 2. Top Gun 2, the sequel. Miles Uh, Teller's mustache. Miles Teller playing a five-year-old. Really excited (laughs) for that one. That's a joke for you Top Gun live watch out there, fans out there, whoever whoever watched that. Um, And I'm really excited for both of those. We're going to have pods on those pretty soon. So a lot of great movies coming out right now, a lot of great films. And there's a lot of great television too. I feel like we've been a bit overwhelmed by the TV this year. Yeah, TV is like a really big thing to take on. Once you're like, I'm going to watch this show, you have just committed to like multiple hours of your life. (laughs) Right. And I feel like we just got done with Succession like six months ago. And then Ozark took a lot of our time. Sex Education took a lot of our time. But recently we've been watching TV that feels worth it. And I think there's something about going away. I mean, all those shows are worth it too. I know, but there's something about uh, definitely Succession, obviously. But there's something about moving away from the binge model. Like Sex Education Ozark drops everything at once. And we're watching two shows right now called Under the Banner of Heaven on Hulu. And we own this city on HBO that are uh, weekly episode drops. So a succession. Just got a backup yeah, succession. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I got, yeah, succession's awesome. <laughs> it's the like, HBO not, model, yeah. I don't want to take anything away from succession. It's probably our favorite TV show ever. <laughs> um, but both Under the Banner of Heaven and We Own This City are very good. I would say that we both agree that Under the Banner of Heaven feels more special. Yes. Um, and We Own This City is a more special script, I think. Yeah, it feels... So like Under the Banner of Heaven... It is a crime thriller, but it's really awesome because it uh, a lot of the kind of crime shows like Mayor of Easttown, even though that was great, mm-hmm. seem to follow like a kind of a similar just plot line, right? Like we feel like we're predicting things. Under the Banner of Heaven actually is like looking at really important questions 
in a crime thriller that feels different. And we have Andrew Garfield as our lead detective. Okay. Like I think just watching him cry would make me cry. Yeah. And and there's Wyatt Russell, Sam Worthington. There's a huge cast here. I'm forgetting some other names, Um, but another McCulkin. Yes. One of the Culkin brothers. They do a great job. I think the ensemble in this one is very impressive. And this were, this is where it's unfortunate because that move, that show is fantastic under the band of heaven, this crisis of faith and this mystery show. But then next to it, you have this HBO show um, titled We Own This City starring John Berthal, Berthal. And it's a great show uh, because of the script, because of what it's talking about, basically. The commentary of institutional failures in law enforcement is fascinating in the Baltimore Police Department taking place in like 2017, I believe, and it does a lot of time jumps. But the acting is a little rough, so it's going to take you a little bit of time to get into it. It gets a little confusing with the amount of time jumps there are in it, and I don't think I'm all the way bought in. I feel like I'm just kind of like three fourths of the way in. So I'm hoping the show gets better toward the end. I think it will. This the last episode that we watched was very good. So I'm happy about both of those shows right now. Yeah. And I wouldn't say like the acting is rough on the whole. I think it's just because of all the time jumps. We don't have enough established with a particular character or are with a storyline long enough to say, okay, here's who I'm supposed to be rooting for, which is a cool quality and unique quality about the show. Mm -hmm. But because of that, I'm always kind of detached from whoever is speaking. So it makes me feel like, oh, this is an actor on screen instead of a character I'm invested in. Much more well said than than I could have done. Obi-Wan and Stranger Things are also coming out next week. So yes, we have I forgot about Stranger Things. So we have a lot right now. We have men, we have Top Gun Maverick, <laughs> we have Obi-Wan, and we have Stranger Things season four. And you know what that means. If you've listened to this podcast before, you probably are aware that we do our due diligence when we're watching sequels to things or, or following seasons. Like for Fantastic Beast, we talked about all three movies in our pod review for the most recent Secrets of Dumbledore trash movie that really disappointed us. We talked about Ozarks, all their seasons uh, before leading up to season four and part one and part two of that. And now with Stranger Things, we're going to be binging, including tonight after this podcast. I'm so excited. A lot of Stranger Things, seasons one through three, because season four is coming. Every season's gotten progressively better, I think. I think in rewatch, we'll know for certain, but I'm pretty sure... That seems right to our previous selves over the years of saying that, that every season's gotten a little bit better. Yeah, I'm so excited to see like the reintroduction of Steve and Billy and the kids and Nancy. Yeah. Uh, By the way, reintroduction of Billy, I'm really excited for that. This is a little preview, (laughs) but Trey and I I have, you know, a disagreement about Jonah from Ozark. And similarly, we have a disagreement about Will. And that is something for a later pod. Ooh. Later podcast. Should we spoil it? Will sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you say a thing against Will. I have but... jo- I have Jonah energy. <laughs> Kelsey's Jonah energy I have for Will. And those are for the Ozark <laughs> listeners out there. Um, okay. So we have a lot of great film stuff, a lot of great TV stuff going on. All of that content is on our syllabus currently. But there's two movies that stand out I think that you need to watch immediately yes the first one is after Yang that we're going to talk about and the second one is all my friends hate me great titles yeah. let's start with after Yang it's on Showtime you're gonna have to make an account which isn't a big deal you probably yeah, do like watched, a free trial yeah do the free trial we've already shouted no no free ads on here but we've already shouted out Showtime because they gave us yellow jackets oh yes I forgot yellow jackets was on Showtime see binge them both yes and then yeah make the most of your trial that's a great idea after Yang on Showtime, it is a science fiction drama directed by Kogonada, who has done another film uh, over the past couple of years. He's, I think this is his second feature film. After Yang is an incredible 
film that investigates our relationship to technology and the ever-changing technological landscape. By the way, we're not doing any spoilers. Oh, yeah. We should have said that, we at, the have said that at the top. No spoilers. These are just recommendations. We're not going to give anything crazy away here. The movie, though, dissects artificial intelligence and the way it affects our lives. Not today. It's taken a little bit in the future, and that's what science fiction is about, about it. And it asks really important questions like, can we create basically anything with art- artificial intelligence? Maybe. Can we artificially create the human condition? That's a fascinating question. It's something that some of our favorite stories that we love, Kels, together in science fiction ask all the time. Can we program grief? If so, what does it mean to be alive? And how is our human species distinct? The movie really smartly asks these questions that feel existential at first, but they do it through a lens of a family dealing with loss that is very relatable, um, as most people have felt that at one point in their lives. And the family has a great cast. We have uh, Justin H. Min. We have Colin Farrell. We have Colin Farrell trivia. Colin Farrell trivia. Oh, from the beginning. (laughs) You already forgot about Starbucks. Oh, man. I can't believe I knew that. I can't. That's so embarrassing. All right. Jody Turner Smith. It was Caribou Coffee. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Imagine that's actually what, what do you think the Starbucks people thought when he walked in? Were they intimidated? Well, I feel the like, article said that they didn't know it was him. Okay. They didn't know it was Colin Farrell. Yeah, but they, they were just they like, this, did is, say this dude's just having a rough that, day. Yeah. They said that it, it, he was like, you know, a, a lot. Well, Colin Farrell is hot in this, so he doesn't look like the penguin anymore. <laughs> uh, Jody Turner Smith as uh, the wife of Colin Farrell's character and Malia Emma Tajerwanda. Tajerwanda? Not sure. I believe that's how you say her last name. I was trying to look it up before this. She, they actually found Malia on, uh, I think it was American Idol, which is really incredible. The family was went- it American Idol. I thought the director said that he like watched her sing the Star Spangled Banner somewhere. She sang it on American Idol. Really? Yeah. Well, she sang it at a live, I think at a game or something, but she went on American Idol like to do it too. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just watched it on YouTube because I was trying to figure out how to say her last name and I was struggling so, like so much with it because I, I'm terrible, but I was trying my best. Um, so this family goes on a fascinating journey of loss, but it didn't leave you feeling that sad, which is great because sometimes sad science fiction at the end can make you feel a little bit, like I always said, existential. You become more nihilistic. Who needs that? Koganata is not really interested in that. So he doesn't leave you there with your kind of sad feelings. And because of his direction... And his inspiring use of his camera work, which I think obviously a cinematographer helped, but I think he did a lot of his own work. He did like these different aspect ratios to show people's different perspectives, which was really cool. What is an aspect ratio? So basically the framing of the screen. So he would make it more of a wide screen from oh. Colin Farrell's perspective. He would make it maybe a more of a, a rectangle with a, you know, gotcha, Jody like Turner changing Smith. up the way that he's shooting it. Exactly. Yeah. And just in the angle you're seeing the character or at least how much of the, of the room you're seeing with them. Um, and it's also helped by like an incredible, like I said, an incredible cast, a great score. Yeah. The sets feel futuristic because obviously it's an A24 film, which I didn't say, but it is. So it's low budget. Um, but the sets feel futuristic and yeah. they also feel weirdly like accessible, like well, almost nostalgic. It's really interesting because I listened to an interview uh, with the director and he was basically talking about how he wanted to create an advanced society, right? Like in, in the setting of this with Mm -hmm. technology 
but he felt like wires and screens and glass that are normally in things like, like Blade Runner, where we see a bunch of screens and wires, um, or glass where I thought of like Prometheus or, um, alien covenant. I forget which one, but it opens up at the beginning with all this like glass furniture in the house Okay, and where David is. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is, um, so interesting that he wanted to get away from those things to show that basically like we are so futuristic that now technology has blended into what society naturally looks like. Like we no longer have screens in this way, uh, or wires or glass, like nothing feels artificial. It's so embedded in our daily lives Mm -hmm. and so futuristic that that's not even the vibe anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Which I thought was really cool because also as like you were kind of saying, like the existential vibe of this it doesn't feel like maybe defeating or um pessimistic it just feels like you're kind of always on your toes like it's cool because with blade runner i feel like with all the screens and everything we feel like we know there's a villain or, or something like i feel like i'm more on track the with traditional the story, story arc is yeah. clear but with this i feel like I'm more like leaning in all the time. Like I'm kind of like hypnotized by what's going on mm. because of what you're talking about, like all the the shots and like we are getting all this setting and trying to like find clues within the setting and these people's lives. And so there's something like quiet about it that makes then our experience, like makes us reflect on our experience as the dystopian. Like we're trying to relate to it, if that makes sense. No, I didn't even think about how this story doesn't necessarily have a protagonist or an antagonist. It really is centered around questions about the human condition and humanity at large. And it does it through asking the most profound question, like what does it mean to be alive if we continue to create such intelligent technology? Um, So it did feel hypnotic in that way where I was like, these are all the things that I've thought about late at night that I don't give much thought to. And, you know, obviously, unironically, one of our favorite things to do is talk about themes on this podcast. So we're going to love after Yang. So that's really what this movie is about. And if we ever get a chance to talk about spoilers, which we might eventually, I think we could make an hour long podcast about just a single conversation between Justin Min, H. Min, and Colin Farrell. I think we're thinking of the same conversation. The one in the kitchen? Yes. About tea? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when y'all see that scene, you're going to know exactly what we talk about. I feel like I watched it on YouTube right after we saw it, I think, a couple months ago. And they're basically, it feels like that scene was in a college film philosophy class. Like you can program access to information like through our technology, but can you program a physiological response to any stimulus in the world, like the process of making a cup of tea? Like, can you program the experience that goes into that? And that's an interesting question that After Yang was talking about. And ultimately, Koganada was asking if everything can be created in a lab. And I just think that's such a dope through line of a, of a, of a question that is supposed to be science fiction and probably more interested in the aesthetic than the questions but this movie is heavily interested in the questions yeah and i always think it's like a really smart thing to center a dystopian or futuristic movie around like a family story like you kind of talked about how they are going through like loss or grief Mm -hmm. but i think this movie was different in that we see anguish a lot in these futuristic movies um, around a family and their experience. But this feels more like silent 
grief. And it's, I think it's different. And I think it helps the movie and the genre and the storytelling in this movie specifically. Um, and I, and it's really cool because the director is a, a father, a dad. And I, I think he talked about how his like sentimentality, um, added to this story, mm-hmm. um, and how he liked quiet moments with his, his kids, like watching movies. And I think that came through really clear, uh, in just the whole vibe of the movie, it felt different than, even though a lot of science fiction movies are, you know, driven by these human questions, it just felt more quiet and grief, like true grief. Yeah. And I think that's the, this is where more money becomes more problems sometimes. And that's where I think a, a good example, maybe a bad example, actually, but whatever. Blade Runner 2049, like how Kelsey's talking about, is so interesting. Once you just put Ryan Gosling in there. <laughs> he's the problem <laughs> they should have got an ugly guy in there once you put like even though we love Ana de Armas once you put like this huge graphic of Ana de Armas in like in the rain and Ryan Gosling staring at this like this weird 3D image of her and you're like wow this is the future you're kind of losing the your own stake in that world but you're excited yeah. about it and I love that movie for a diff- different reasons than after Yang um, and I think this that's a much better film but one of my get, favorite movies yeah people should hopefully get the, what we're saying here which is less money allows you to kind of target these questions and allows you to buy in that technology is just a norm to a lot of these people in their lives in the in whatever near in the same way that is. ours is sort of yeah like it's, it's kind of like pulling those questions it. out of us right definitely and I also think and I and this is what becomes difficult with science fiction with all these questions that we think are fascinating, you're, you're not getting any answers and you shouldn't expect any. Like it's a hell of a conversation starter at a happy hour, this movie. Like if you're, if you just want fun questions to interrogate your friends about uh, that are pretty existential, but are what fun. What did this scene mean? What did this? Yeah, this is a great movie for that. It's a great, like if I was 21 in film class with my buddies, like this would be a really fun one to talk about with friends. It's just really impressive. Coconata was able to do this as a second film. Kels. It's wild. His yeah. first one was it's like masterful yeah it really is the first one was columbus which i haven't seen so i'm definitely definitely going to check out that this year and he's also directing one of the best shows on tv right now apparently called pachinko on apple plus which we have not seen i heard that's a dope show i can't wait to see what else is in store for him from him and if anybody's interested to hear from coconata because the dude is just a really really interesting person He's Go really listen cool. to Sean Fennessy's podcast on the Ringer called the Big Picture Podcast and listen to his interview, which is on the back end of their Batman uh, podcast. Koganada's a really cool guy. He's a South Korean-born American director who likes this idea of Yang having to fill this construct that America has created for him personally, which is Asianness and unpacking what Asianness means. Like that's words from his mouth, and. Um, it's just really cool that we're getting these different stories from filmmakers with experiences that are obviously not the same experience from filmmakers that we've gotten for the past century. So we're getting new diverse content, which is really exciting. I can't wait to see what he does next. Also, we didn't note this, but the yes. one of the funniest scenes of any movie this year is in this film. And this film is not a comedy. and It doesn't have that many comedic scenes. What, what scene? The opening scene. Oh my God. I forgot that. Without spoiling anything. I forgot that that scene was in the movie. It Oh my God, you are like hooked at the very beginning. Oh my yeah. God, I can't wait for people to see it. It was so just like different from any way I've ever, literally ever seen a movie open. Mm-hmm. It was so cool. 
Speaking of, before we move on to All My Friends Hate Me, speaking of Prometheus, by the way, that scene you were talking about earlier with David and the glass around him, that's from the beginning of Alien Covenant. I don't think actually it was David. I think it was like the M- Michael Fassbender new creation. That was, a, I think that was, oh, you think that was um, his Alien Covenant version? I, I just forget. It was the it was the Alien or Prometheus movie where it opens with, Wayland yeah and Michael Fassbender in yeah. his house with like a piano yeah, yeah and he's like come here and like well it's the beginning of Covenant but you yes, said Prometheus okay, so it's not David it's and you said David other... and it's making me think of this and I actually had this written down beforehand and I was gonna ask you about it so I'm glad you brought it up what I'm do you ready. think what do you think an after David movie would look like after David oh my god I hope <laughs> if Just Alien the, Covenant the ever gets a, like the third movie totally uh destroyed because at one point this is this is not a spoiler but in after Yang at one point uh Yang says I don't know if you remember this Kelsey there's no something without nothing and there's no it, something okay without first nothing right so in order for there to be something, there has oh, so David's little quote about so David says sometimes to create one must first destroy. They're kind of saying the similar things, but from the opposite spectrums. And uh, doesn't he also say like small things? Oh, big, big things big have small things beginnings. Have small beginnings. Yeah, my guy was throwing out bangers in Prometheus. Go listen. Go. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. So go watch Prometheus. Also, was David the creation of like the whole Annihilation Shimmer? Don't spoil Annihilation. <laughs> it seems like it seems like he's there. That's all I'll say. We got okay. to move on. All right. Kelsey. Yes. Do you like anxiety? <laughs> <laughs> because do I have the movie for you? <laughs> all my friends hate me. What a great title. It's a gr- oh my God. Great title. Great movie. We're around high schoolers every day. Okay. So we see them thinking this all the time. But guess what? So do we. So do older people. Everyone always thinks this at least once in their life at any year, any given year. Do oh, all my I didn't friends, know what you were talking about. The all my friends hate me. All my me. friends hate me. Yeah. <laughs> do all my friends hate me? Does my whole so- social circle think I'm the odd one out? Am I the villain in my own story? Am I the hero and the villain? And this movie <laughs> definitely was like, let's capitalize on this weird middle to upper class millennial feeling of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And let's make a thriller dark comedy off of this idea. And we have a first-time feature director in Andrew Gaynord. We have a first-time actor, our feature film actor, and Tom Certain, who also wrote the film with his friend Tom Palmer, who's also a first-time screenwriter. So we have a lot of first-time crew on this movie, which is really impressive, considering it's yeah, probably it is the, so good. the like, coolest experience we've had this year. Yeah. Also, really quick, because that's such a cool-ass name, Certain. Is it spelled like Certain, like C-E-R? S-O-U. Oh, okay. Well, it's a cool-ass name. Yeah. It could be Sorten. But I'm pretty sure it's Tom Certain. <laughs> we're going to say Certain because it sounds cool. Speaking of Tom Certain, okay, we're just going to keep calling him that. I listened to a podcast with him the other day and he was talking about how he hasn't really hit it yet and how this is an interesting experience for him. And he was in one of our favorite movies, Kelsey. What was it? It's our favorite rom-com ever. What? Yeah. Do you know what it is? No. All you Valentine's Day draft listeners out there are like, how does she not know? How Was it in a movie know? that I, wait, that I love? It's our favorite rom-com. He's in all, About Time? Yeah, he's in About what? Time. No, what, who does So he, he was talking to someone who hadn't seen About Time, I think. And she said, and you're in About Time. And he said, uh, no. 
And she was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's in your IMDb. He said, my scene was cut, but it's oh, in my no. IMDb. He said, the only, be thing, great. the only thing they have me doing, they show his face and he's waving. So next time we watch <laughs> About Time, we got to look for my guy here. I'm so interested to see if he's like in a wedding or something like that. And she said, okay, well, at least you were in Snowden. And he was like, uh, it was the back of my head. And she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Tough break for Tom Certain. It was a great, I got to put their pod in the description or something. It was a, it was a funny conversation. Um, he does a fantastic job. The film itself is even more impressive as a whole. It's commenting on overeducated, self-obsessed, middle-class, upper-class millennials in a 93 minute ride a perfect time for a movie we want a short movie Heck we want yeah. it to the point and we want it to make us feel unhinged and in, in the first case. five minutes we want to laugh and also be like grabbing something at the same time and they do that in this movie like i think in the first five you feel the score the sound choices and it immediately hooks you like you are like ready to go and i think what's the probably the most interesting part of the movie is the commentary like I was saying about this overeducated idea? And yeah, I'm afraid to, to say anything because I'm afraid I'm going to spoil it. So I'm. Why don't we try say that then? To. Why don't we say if you want if you've been listening to this podcast or you're a first time listener, welcome. Please review Hi. us wherever you get your podcast. Uh, but if you're a, a long time listener, just trust us. You know, you you know we like good stuff. Turn this off. We appreciate you listening. Yeah, we're not Review like us. recommending everyone to go see Secrets of Dumbledore, okay? No, that movie was trash and we love it. I mean, Harry you should Potter. see it yeah. for the trilogy. But this is something that is amazing. Like, I wanted to re I could have rewatched it right after I watched it. Yeah, I kind of want to watch it right now. So <laughs> why don't you, if you're listening to this and you trust us, go watch that. If you don't trust us and it's your first time here, stay. You're gonna want to see this. I think that. Every scene in this movie hooks you because it makes you feel uneasy, but in approachable ways that everybody can relate to, which is awesome. It's almost like, it's like a, quicksand. Like a good quicksand? No, <laughs> quicksand like, is terrifying. No, I know. Oh, okay. Just because it's, it's gotcha. <laughs> yeah. This is like an anxiety inducing like thriller. Yeah, I know. And there's, I feel like we're starting to like more and more of those as we get older, which is weird because I think we're getting to, this movie is about a group of like 30 year olds who see each other for the first time since college. So it's been like seven or eight years and we're getting to that age. So it might've just hit us a little bit differently because, or maybe it just hit us in the right age because we're getting there. And so I kind of understood what the main character was going through, but it's like every character would finish a scene, okay, not literally, but metaphorically, by pulling out a gun and the audiences react with, ah, and then you find <laughs> out that the gun was not loaded. And then five seconds later, you're like, or was it loaded? <laughs> and the audience and the protagonist are ultimately left with like similar feelings of paranoia and questioning everyone around them and it, and leaving you with questions like how I said at the top, like, do all my friends hate me? Do they? You're like going to your group chats and be like, which ones hate me the most? And that's what this movie makes you feel like. And that was an impressive feat, especially for first time creators like this. And like I said, it's the, probably the best comedy horror, uh, comedy thriller that we've seen since Ready or Not. Yeah. And if you've listened, like you've probably heard me talk about Ready or Not and Blade Runner as like kind of things that I compare movies too all the time that I really love like features I love mm -hmm. if you like ruddy or not like don't please don't go read the description of this movie even if you've never seen ruddy or not don't go read the description of all my friends hate me uh it is so just different like ruddy or not in that it's like that dark comedy but anxiety but still has like a really cool message 
Yeah. It's so good. And I don't even know if it's as, as much of a message as it is just a comment on an internet generation. Yeah, that's more accurate probably. Like, you know how like our internet generation, if you grew up with technology in your hands at a young age, like specifically a, a smartphone, you know everything about your friends all the time to a, to a fault, right? Yeah, that's true. And so it's interesting seeing that generation come everyone. back together because they're supposed to act like... Oh, I haven't seen you in years, but you <laughs> see them every day on your Instagram or your Twitter or your Snapchat or your text or whatever. Yeah. And I guess people also like assume that you know what they're doing, exactly. you know? And like for me, when I delete Instagram, like right. I, you know, I don't know what people are doing. Yeah. You're going, you're going behind the scenes under the water. No one knows where you are. And like, that's the, that's the cool part about deleting social. You're like, nobody knows what I'm doing right now. I'm so Yeah, mysterious. but then people have assumptions that like, am I going to repeat to okay, you what see, I post on Okay, you're doing all my friends hate me right now. No, what's, <laughs> what's, I think what's anxiety inducing about this film is it's tackling how maybe we're too connected because like he <laughs> kept trying to feel the need to explain to everybody what he was doing. And everyone was like, yeah, bro, we know, like we know where you are. We don't want to spoil yeah, anything. Yeah. Okay. I was like, yeah. that's not spoiling anything, but I was like, don't say anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the last, I'll, I'll use one more example that I, I, I did write down because I was like, this is what this movie made me feel like. It's almost like your friends are confirming the worst fears about you but are not like apologizing for you like i don't know if that makes sense but like imagine one but of they're your, not what so like imagine one of your worst traits mm-hmm. okay and every time you ask your friends about it is this one of my worst traits mm-hmm. if they're your best friends they will most likely hopefully tell you the truth and be honest with you but most likely they'll say no of course not okay of course because you might even be wrong but this movie like turns that on its head instead the friends are like yeah no that is you didn't know that that's been your worst trait since like <laughs> the first time we met you and that kind of honesty isn't really real, nor is it supposed to be even truthful, but they're definitely commenting on our social dynamics of our generation. I just think it's fascinating. Uh, or if you, or if you like grew up with friends who will say that, even if it's maybe yeah. like not as truthful, but it is true to like your younger self. Yeah. I think it's also kind of commenting on that. Yeah. Okay. I think if we go any deeper, we'll probably go in the spoiler territory. Right. So we'll pause Agreed. there. So after Yang and All My Friends Hate Me, stream both of those movies as soon as you can, or at least Showtime, one of them, and then stream the other. And I have a little game for us to end today's podcast. Ooh, okay. I have a ranking game that is very difficult. But All My Friends Hate Me gave me the what you what we were talking about this anxiety inducing feeling of of a thriller and i thought what is it about these day or two day movies that that are thrillers specifically that make me so interested in them so i went over the past two years and i found five films including all my friends hate me that i want us to try and rank from best to worst they're all great so worst is okay, still so good. they're all like in the same genre this like new at least i cool think so genre okay yeah and i think you agree so the five movies from oldest to newest are Shiva Baby. Okay. The Novice. Boiling Point. Kid Detective. And All My Friends Hate Me. Okay, that's a great list. Those are You're all right. really Those good are, movies. Yeah, and they're all like one day thrillers. Except maybe Kid Detective. I think, I think Kid Detective might go over days. Yeah. like a week or something. Uh I don't know. I don't know. It feels it fe- like a day. But it feels we like only it saw fits. That one it time. feels like it fits. I'll. I think we'll count it. Okay. So let's go from bottom to top here. I think we start with what is the 
the worst best movie here because they're all really good. Wait, the say that again. The worst. The worst of all these. Best. Well, oh, I thought we were gonna each make our ranking and then share it. Oh, do you not want to try to make it together? I think we'll disagree. I think it'll be more fun to see what you put because I think our lists are going to be actually pretty okay, different. Well, then I'm ready to go. Okay. Well, uh, let me just take one second. Okay. I can, I can vamp. I can vamp. All right. So <laughs> Shiva Baby came out in 2020. <laughs> okay. Directed by Emma Sing- Singleman. I think that's her name. She is amazing. I love her. This movie was great. It got turned even in. I think the script is getting turned into a... Uh, TV, TV show, show yeah. on HBO Max. Um, it's going to be called, I think, Sugar, Sugar Baby, something like that. And The Novice is uh, from Lauren Hathaway in 2021, one of my top three films of 2021. Boiling Point, uh, starring Stephen Graham, is a British film that's, uh, I don't actually want to spoil it at all, but it's amazing. Go stream that immediately. All My Friends Hate Me, we just talked about. And Kid Detective is starring uh, Adrian... Is it? No, Adam Brody. Adam Brody. Yes. Adam Brody. Shout out Seth and the OC people. Yes. OC peeps. <laughs> I saw season one. That's all. But yes, Kid Detective, Adam Brody, one of the most surprisingly good movies in years. Uh, it was v- memorable. I didn't even need to rewatch it. I was like, I'm going to remember this for a long time, but now I kind of want to. Those are the five films. You can stream them all. I don't think they're on any... Uh, sorry, you can rent them all. I don't think they're on any streaming platform uh okay okay i thank you for vamping and i'm ready (laughs) okay let's start at number five five being worst one being best oh five being worst okay yes do you want me to say first i'll go go first okay go ahead i don't mind okay this is not because it's not a great movie this is uh because i really base my movies off of Mm rewatchability and because i already feel like i know what happened and it was amazing like what happened it just isn't as rewatchable for me so this is why it's going at my number five and it is boiling point still a great thriller um if you can call it that in this genre but it's like a window into the service industry and just human humans feeling like they can like own others like just disgusting human qualities um that's all i'll say about it i don't think that's spoiling anything you should still go watch it but that's why it's going at my number five is because of the rewatchability i think you're wrong okay but all these movies are good (laughs) see i told you we're gonna disagree all these movies are good so it's difficult to kind of i guess feel them out i think boiling point is most impressive and this is not a spoiler but kelsey said restaurant industry but what's most impressive about it is it nails everything in that industry if you ever wanted to see it if you've ever worked in the restaurant industry or you have a friend who's been a server or a chef or a busser or a host and you ask them, hey, what would a movie look like if they took an, your worst night and captured it on screen? This movie does that times five. And it's also, I think, all in one to two shots. It might just be one long shot. I don't know if they ever cut. I don't know. That's a great question. It doesn't feel like it, at least. So that's probably a compliment. Yeah, not a lot of editing in the movie, um, which is not a detriment. It's, it's a great part about it. Okay, good choice. What's your number five? Number five is The Kid Detective. Wow. And I love The Kid Detective. I think without spoiling anything again, uh, we have uh, Adam Brody, who's in his 30s, early 30s, and he is trying to solve a mystery in his community where he is a uh, a PI. Um, and he has been a PI since he was, I think, <laughs> like a 13-year-old boy uh, <laughs> in his community, and he just never left. And he might be a little bit of an alcoholic, and uh, he is also super funny and cool. So <laughs> cool is probably not the best word, but interesting to... He's a, he seems like a cool hang. Uh, 
The movie had me crying at the end. It's the only movie on here I think I cried at the end. Hmm. Of these five. Yeah. I actually yes. was like tearing up pretty pretty good a good amount at the end of this one. So it definitely hits me emotionally. And I actually feel like as I'm talking about it now that it's really too low, but that's okay. Yeah, interesting. Um, I I guess I'll talk about this when I get to it. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, go ahead. What's your oh, I'll go to my number four. Number four, yeah. Okay. I am I am almost regretting this as I'm saying it, but it's a very personal list for me. Okay. This is not an objective list of what are the best movies. Uh, because I actually think boiling point and the one I'm about to say are almost more like masterful, but it's just a rewatchability standpoint. Are you about to say novice? The novice. Oh my God. Is number four for me. It's existential. It has very whiplash, like obsessive ruminations of like how pushing yourself. Um, it is amazing. It is. I can't believe it's, it is, uh, the director's first movie. I mean, it's, it's like stunning. And I think just from a rewatchability standpoint is the only reason it's number four for me. I'm pissed. (laughs) It's just so stressful. This (laughs) movie is starring Isabella Furman in her first feature role and like starring feature role. She was in Hunger Games, I believe, and other things too. Oh, she was. She was on Team Capital, Mm -hmm. right? I think she was a little jerk in that movie. Yeah. Uh, She should have won the Oscar in 2021 oh, she was amazing yeah like won it not just got nominated like she gives one of the best performances that i can remember um i think since i was gonna say ah, no i'm not gonna say it i don't wanna i'm not gonna hold myself to that <laughs> forget i said any best performance since i hate when podcasters do that and i'm about to become one of those people uh let me okay. give you a take i definitely disagree with you again um <laughs> so i'm gonna say that I'm going to hold anything I have to say about the novice besides the fact that Isabel Furman is a, is a goddess. Uh, well, why don't, why don't we go ahead and do this then? Uh, because what? number three, like we've already talked about. Well, I have me. my fourth ready. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Four. My fourth is all my friends hate me and I have nothing wow. to add because we've already talked about it, but it is a little bit, I think rewat more rewatchable than kid detective. Um, where Kid Detective is an, uh, quite the experience, but so is All My Friends Hate Me. So they're very close to me. Like they're both like eight and a half out of 10. And so I, I'm going to keep them right next to each other. Cuddly. Cuddly. Number three for you? Number three for me is Kid Detective. Okay. Um, Explain yourself. So I, now, I mean, I feel like Novice and Kid Detective are, could be changeable for me, yeah. but I would, re- I would rewatch this like right now. Um, and that's, I think is the, the difference, the reason it's a notch above the novice for me, mm-hmm. not because I think it was like uh, shot better or even like maybe a better movie, <laughs> um, as far as like from an art standpoint, mm-hmm. but it just focused on like the loss of innocence. It was funny. It was light, but it also was like hitting these really just like interesting themes of the story of, of growing up. What's that like trope, the adolescence there's like a common like plot we always like people call oh. adolescence. Uh, oh, coming, coming of, of age. age. Yeah. Coming of age. It was almost like a, I'm going to like make an anxiety inducing coming of age uh, film that is kind of like edgy mm-hmm. and in anxiety. <laughs> like I, I think it was just really like special and that's why it's number three for me. Okay. Fair. It was just also cool to see Adam Brody again. Yes, it is cool to see Adam Brody. He was great in Ready or Not, by the way, which is weird. Ready or Not keeps coming up in our podcast, but it's a great film. Go check it out. Okay. My number three 
is boiling point. Boiling point, I, I feel like I've said a lot about this already, but I think Stephen Graham, who plays the, the main character in this film, is incredible. And he does a great job of capturing the dread that is working in a, a, a kitchen on its worst night of a year. And more importantly, I think, I think her name is, is it Vanette Robinson? I was trying to look. I was at, just looking her up yeah, to shout her out because she's awesome. Vanette Robinson, who was also in Sherlock as one of the detectives who always gave Sherlock a hard time. She was sleeping with one of the other detectives. Um, she has a scene in this film. Uh, a quick three-minute monologue where she is angry. And it is one of the, the most incredible three-minute sequences I've seen in a movie that isn't doing anything in the scene, like, action-wise. It is just purely someone else talking to someone else in a very loud noise tone in a very loud restaurant. Just from a dialogue perspective, it's one of the most memorable sequences. So... I love Boiling Point. I love how there's so many memorable scenes besides what I've talked about without spoiling it. Her performance just, so I I know I already talked about it a little bit, but her performance is like the thing that lives in my mind from that movie. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. It really is. And and there's, there are other characters in that movie. You're introduced to other staff members who you never come back to, but you know their backstory within two minutes. Mm-hmm. I'd never even seen that before. Yeah. Like, it's nuts what they were able to do in this movie. And the only reason it's not number two or one is because it's a f- movie about a moment. And I love that as a premise. But obviously, there's movies that are trying to be about experiences and questions about life and that are a little bit more profound than a moment. And that they're a little bit more difficult to do. So number three, Kelsey. Did you already go number three? Is that what you did? I already did Kid Detective. Okay, so yeah. number two. Okay, so uh, now I'm at my number two. Are you mm-hmm. interested in what I'm going to put? So what are your two left? You I have, have... You have Shiva Baby uh-huh. and you have All My Friends Hate Me. Yes. Do you think you know? Yeah, I know. You think you know me? I do know you. Okay. My second one is All My Friends Hate Me. Yeah. Okay, you know. Uh, That's the, too high. It is too. It <laughs> is maybe kidding. too I'm high. Maybe I'm just no. Uh, I'm you not, know, no, on the is, back end of this. No, that's, these are all great movies. I'm feeling all my friends hate me. Recency bias. Okay. No, I'm just messing with you. It's obviously <laughs> an amazing movie. I just love, like, similar to what I'm going to talk about for my number one. I just love that it feels like such an introspective thriller. I just think it's like a special new genre, and not that Boiling Point and Novice and maybe Kid De- Detective didn't do that. It's just that I feel like the similar reasons that I love Ready or Not is why I like this movie. Okay. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. I mean, I'm a little I, scared. I'm yeah. laughing. It's absurd. Right. It would also be a lot of fun to watch this alone and a lot of fun to watch this with 20 people in a room. Yes. Which is an, oh, probably the only movie on and here that's so rewatchable. So yeah, exactly. It's probably the most rewatchable movie we've seen this year. Yeah, and see, that's why I told you this was the thesis of my of my list. Okay, okay. let's hear your number two. My number two is Shiva Baby, uh, okay. directed by Emma Seligman, uh, starring Rachel Sennett. I probably but- butchered Emma's last name. I apologize. This is a comedy from 2020. It is, I think, a scene film at this point. I don't want to see too. I don't want to say it's too underseen, but it really captures. It's almost like a single day dark coming of age college movie it's like what Lady Bird tried to do but I think good oh that's a great take yeah and I think this is not that Lady Bird is bad I think it's a pretty good movie that's another podcast in itself Trey has feelings I have Greta Gerwig feelings uh 
but Shiva Baby is excellent, um, in my opinion. I think it's like probably the most impressive single day movie I've seen. And I don't know why I keep wanting to do this to myself, but I feel like it just in a long time. Like I, I almost want to say, I almost <laughs> every want, single day in a long. It's it must the just best be thing getting late because I'm almost like, oh, this is the best single day movie I've seen since Ferris Bueller. It's like, wait, what? Over 45 years, 35 years is the best one. Uh, anyways, go see Shiva Baby. It's uh, it's about a Jewish funeral service uh, and a one woman's journey to get the hell out of there. Yeah, I'll go ahead and talk about it because obviously it's the only one I have left it's my number one okay okay and I love this movie I think for similar reasons that you were talking about but it has very similar aspects of existential dread that all these movies have okay Okay? yeah um but it is really like centered around uh familial like expectations but also like I I limitations of like identity um and it still feels absurd and jarring and i think it's just the score that does it for me like right off the bat the piano keys a tone yeah i just feel like it's a really singular movie and that's why it's at the top of my list that's a good call it's a good call i was struggling i had it at number one i had it at number two um i'm lying i had the novice at number one the whole entire time <laughs> uh the novice is the best movie out of all five of these films uh shiva baby and see the weird thing is i don't disagree with that <laughs> like objectively yeah that's the tough part these are all very good but yeah well i understand what you're saying okay, craft so wise in, i think it is the in best. terms of anxiety inducing thrillers you can come back to that's kelsey's motto she loves being able to come back to movies like who doesn't maybe i'm just a freak i like to watch things once and feel terrible about them <laughs> my favorite movie of all time is prisoners probably <laughs> and, or aliens so like the like i'm just about that life Kelsey is much more realistic about her movie expectations. And so therefore they're just more likable. So I, I think your list is better than mine, but oh, the, thank you. the novice, regardless of what I just I, said, I don't, the I don't novice feel is the best movie. Confident in my, but okay. Tell us why the novice okay, so is the best. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why by talking about the other films weirdly. So kid detective is anxiety inducing, uh, story about this 30 year old detective trying to help his community and this guy's journey of self-discovery as he kind of struggles to accept his flaws and who he is as a person. All My Friends Hate Me is a story about... Don't spoil. One dude's journey to coming back <laughs> to his friends. Boiling Point is about uh, a moment, like I said, in a, in a very difficult industry that never gets represented in film. The novice... Uh, wait for it. Shiva Baby is about much like Boiling Point, a day or moment in, in someone's experience, but a little bit more of a social commentary and trying to unpack messages and themes in that moment in time. The novice has multiple days within the movie that are trying to unpack multiple different ideas of more relatable things that everyone can relate to. Because where Kelsey sees rewatchability in movies, I, th- I want relatability but I want it for like all audiences. And I think what the novice is touching on is what captured audiences with Whiplash, Damien Chazelle's Whiplash, which the director, Lauren Hathaway, who did the novice, worked on Whiplash. This is her first film, but she worked on Whiplash. And she took that energy of trying to find this, um, what would you do if you're put in a situation uh, where you want something so badly, you will, you will do it at all costs. Mm-hmm. And that is probably one of the most relatable tropes. I don't want to call it a trope, but one of the most re- relatable themes 
in anxiety inducing thrillers that I've seen in this list or maybe of all time. That's why whiplash is one of my favorite movies too. Um, and I don't think Shiva baby has the stakes that the novice does. I don't think boiling point captures, uh, uh, any other audiences besides those in that industry. I don't think all my friends hate me is clear enough about the intentions at the end. And I don't Disagree. think, I don't think kid detective has any kind of social commentary that is realistic. It's very absurd of a story, but it's still awesome. So the novice, I think is just for more people. I think more people can see that movie, maybe not like it, but they're going to see themselves in it and it's going to make them feel uncomfortable. And I like that. I like that. <laughs> like that a lot. So I love the novice. That's my first one, but I think, I do think your list is better. My list is just more rewatchable. Yeah, exactly. And mine is more like I want to sit in a blanket and not watch a movie again for the whole day. <laughs> just cry. Yeah. Um, okay. That was a really fun little, little fun random game. ranking. Yeah. Yeah. You did a good job for being put on the spot. I'm not saying that in a <laughs> condescending way, I hope. I'm just like, that's impressive. Like, I already had time to think about this. Well, I feel like maybe I was either pressed to what I, you know, really think, or I was just maybe we'll rework this whole thing tonight yeah. and just regret my choices. Can you but believe that we I'll just spent by like right now. 15 minutes on this and they're only from the, <laughs> from the past two years, these movies, like we could That's do anxiety inducing thrillers in the past 30 years and it would take us, I guess, three hours. Uh, but this has been fun. I hope you guys like this new segment for our 2022 syllabus. We're going to try continuing uh, to add to this list and maybe do one of these a month. That'd be fun. Ooh, maybe we can like post the syllabus Ooh, on Instagram. Y- or yeah, just like keep adding to it. I think that's a good idea. A live doc. Oh yeah. A live syllabus. Okay, y'all. We appreciate the support. As always, you can find us on all your podcast platforms. Please reach out if you'd like. Our socials are and email are in the description of your podcast. And don't hesitate to uh, say hi. Um, and we appreciate any five stars you can give us on Apple or Spotify. Yes, we just want to be found by the algorithm, you know? Yeah, we always say it, but the algorithm gods, they are tricky. So we'll see you next time. This has been Trey. And this is Kelsey. Peace. Bye. Bye.